0: Hey, welcome back. We are here with week three of this series, which is called Once Upon a Time, which I completely made up on my own. That's never appeared anywhere else in popular media. And uh, we have been going through in this series the parables of Jesus. One of my favorite things in the Bible is reading through the parables of Jesus, because out of everyone who has ever preached the message in the history of time, Jesus had the most right to just stand there and say, hey, listen, you guys shut up and do exactly what I say because I know what I'm talking about. Because he did. He was holy. He was perfect. Unlike everyone else who who has given the message, like he never screwed up. He never made the wrong decision. He never sinned. And yet because of that, because of who he is, because of his love for us, he would stand there and tell these stories so that people could have the joy, the the, the wisdom that came with figuring it out for themselves. And, and so he would go through, and we've talked each week about different parables, about the lost sheep, and how he, he spoke to this group who was expecting something different. Most of them were probably like, hey, 99, that's enough. And he's like, no, no, no. You do not just focus on that. You always go after the one. You always try to help the less fortunate. You always try to help the people on the outskirts. You always try to help the people who need it, always, no matter what, because God is there for everyone. Um, And we talked last week about forgiveness and and about the, the servant who, like so many of us, was desperate for help, desperate for relief, desperate for forgiveness of his debt. And when he got it, instead of being joyful, instead of going out and being like Jesus, instead of going out and returning it, He turned around and basically spit on the message that he was just given, on the forgiveness that he was just given. And for a much smaller sum, had the guy thrown in jail, and then he paid for it. Because Jesus said over and over and over again, hey, if you don't forgive others, why would you expect forgiveness yourself? Because this is about changing your heart. This is about who you are. And so this week, we're going to go to another parable. And in this, we're going to talk about the parable of the vineyard workers, hence the grapes of wrath. And if you get that, awesome. So I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for the vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. So he just starts with something that everybody can relate to. Uh, He says, hey, there's a bunch of people hanging out in the town square waiting for work at, at dawn, like all of this, and they're waiting for work. And the landowner who has a lot of work to do, who has a lot of stuff in his vineyard that people can do, like crushing grapes and planting grapes and whatever else happens in a vineyard. And, He told he went around to say, hey, we're going to pay the daily wage, everything that's normal. And that's the setup for this. And so everybody that's listening, there were the disciples who hung on every word of his, who wanted to learn from him, who wanted to be like him. Uh, There were people who were kind of questioning him. And like, I've heard about this guy, but I want to see if he's legit. I want to see if he's real. And so they were there. The Pharisees were there. It's funny because they hated him so much for so many reasons that were dumb, but they hated him so much that they went everywhere. It's kind of like if I followed LeBron around on tour to watch him play basketball. Like, it's ridiculous, except comparing LeBron to Jesus is sacrilege and awful. But uh, anyway, so they were there because they weren't listening to what he was saying. They were waiting for him to mess up. They were like, okay, we're going to catch him in something. So they weren't paying attention. Uh, Picture yourself in a class, high school, college, whatever, and, and you're sitting there, And instead of listening to what the teacher is teaching, you're waiting for the chance to raise your hand to say that he's wrong on something. And so when the test comes, there may have been one thing that you picked up, but everything else you've missed, and that's what the Pharisees are doing. And then there were other people who were in this position, other people who didn't understand, other people walking by. And Jesus told all of them the story because to him, all of them were the same. He loved all of them. He wanted all of them to get it. And so we go to the heat of the story here. At 9 o'clock in the morning, He was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work at the vineyard at noon, and again at 3 o'clock he did the same thing. At 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some people standing around. Uh, He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, Then go out and join the others in my vineyard. So here you have a pretty basic story. And at this point, everybody's like, oh, that makes sense. I wonder what's going to happen. Like, I bet the the ones at the end are going to expect more than they deserve. Or I bet that that he's going to really praise the ones who worked all day. Or I bet this, I bet that. Just like they did with every other parable. They were waiting and kind of drawing their own conclusions. That's one of the reasons, even though we all know these parables or we've read them, one of the reasons I say try to drive that out of your mind and just take these fresh, because it's so amazing to picture yourself sitting there listening to Jesus as he's pouring this out. And he describes a situation that they understood then. And we understand it now. It's a little different now. But we understand it where at the beginning of the workday, which is 9 o'clock. And you know you can argue what exactly when dawn was or whatever. But it, the important thing is that when the workday started... He goes, and he's like, hey, you guys are waiting for work. Let's go work. I'll pay you a day's wage. And so he takes them. And, you know, they're working for three hours, and, and it's not that they're doing a bad job, but he's like, I bet there's more people who could use some work. And so he goes back out at noon, and then he goes back out at three, and, and so that's you know less of a day, obviously. And each time he says the same thing. He's like, hey, I've got work for you. Come on. And then uh, I'll pay you what's right. I'll pay you what, what you deserve. I'll pay you what I want, whatever it is he says. And then he goes at five o'clock, which is near The end of the day. Like there's just an hour, a couple hours left of work. And and as these people came in, like picture yourself as one of the other workers. Like you're watching, and and you know, you you were there at nine o'clock, because we're all those type of people. Like we're there at nine o'clock, except I hate getting up at nine o'clock, which isn't early, but it's early. And so we're there at nine o'clock, we're ready. And then he goes out and he brings more, and you know, some of the people are grumbling, probably, and they're like, Man, I was doing enough work. Why do you need these people? Like, we could do this. But, but, you know, they keep working because that's what they're paid to do. And then, you know, the ones at noon and the ones at nine, when three o'clock people come in, they're like, ah, come on, like, what's he doing? Like, there's not that much left to do. We've been working hard all day or we've been working hard and maybe they're kind of talking to each other and kind of nodding their heads because they agree because they have a mutual enemy at this point. And then the people at five o'clock come in and they're like, man, those guys, they haven't done anything all day. What do they deserve? Like, man, he's going to give them like a dollar. This is going to make me look so good. Like I worked so hard all day. And so regardless of whether or not you know what comes next, this is the setup. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying there's enough work for everyone. That's the first major point that he's making. There is enough work for everyone. There is always enough work. There is always more to do. There is always uh, a way to welcome others, regardless of what time, regardless of who they are, regardless of where they are. And then we go to the next part. And this is kind of the big climax part. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you have paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. So, the key in his story... Uh, and what shows just, I mean, it's easy to talk about the holiness of Jesus and, and the goodness of Jesus and, and the, the wisdom and the, the love and all of that of Jesus, which is all true. But just the amazing way that he could tell a story is, is just so well done because this does not work if you start with the first workers getting paid first because they walk up, they get the day's wage, and then they go on because they don't care about what happens after they've gotten their money. And yet the last go first. And that's something that comes up over and over again. But the last go first and and they're probably, the ones that came at five o'clock, they're like, they're walking up to the owner and they're like, he's gonna give us like a dollar, but we really need it because we really need to buy bread this week and we don't have that much to do. And, and, And we've gotta really take care of something coming up. We gotta take care of the bills, taxes are due in a month, like whatever. And so, He gives them a full day's wage. And they were expecting a little bit. And he gives them a full day's wage. And they're like, they're probably looking at it. And they're like, oh, man, is this a mistake? Like, does he know that he gave us a full day's wage? Does he know this? And they're running off happy. They're overjoyed because they hadn't done that much in other people's eyes, even though they'd worked their hardest. And he gave them a full day's wage. And so they go off happy. And then the 3 o'clock people come. And they're like, you know, wow, maybe we'll get a little more, they get their money, they go off, whatever, we worked a couple hours, we're good. The noon people come that had been there half the day. And, you know, they get their stuff, they go off, and all of this is going on, and the people that were there at nine are like, wow. This is going to be epic, guys. Like, this is going to slap. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. This is going to be the most amazing thing in the history of time because we are going to get double the wage because, man, the 5 o'clock people, they got a lot. And the 3 o'clock people, they got the same amount. And the noon people got the same amount. Now, if you've studied statistics and if you've studied probability, maybe you're in this line and you're thinking, wait, so each group got the same amount, perhaps logically, we're going to get the same amount. But you see, the thing is about humans, we don't think that way. And we talked about this last week a little bit with hypocrisy and with forgiveness. We always think it's going to be different for us. We always think that our situation is understandable, that our situation is going to be okay. Like if we have a bad day, then we expect everybody else to understand that when we ask for forgiveness. If somebody else has a bad day, we expect them to make amends because it's not our fault they had a bad day. That's how we think. Hopefully, we can get past that. Most of many of us work on that every day, forever, and it's a hard thing for humanity. But they're not thinking, man, everybody got the same each time. Uh, We're going to get the same. They're thinking, he said, that he was gonna give us what we deserved, this is the time. Like, this is we're gonna get everything we deserved. He's gonna give us double. He gave these people who did nothing, these people who don't deserve it, these people who aren't as good as us, these people who didn't work as hard as us, these people who didn't deal with as much as us, these people who didn't understand as quickly as we did, these people who don't know as much as we do, these people who don't dress the same as we do, these people who don't look the same as we do, these people who just aren't as good as us. He gave them the full amount. So he's going to give us so much more because we're great, because we are found, because we are here, because we were here all along, because we know everything. And then he looks at them. He looks at them and and he gives them the same amount. He gives them the same amount. I'll go back to that for just a second. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Just as much. Now, here's the thing, and it's easy to look at this logically when you're not involved, but for us, we're looking at this. And we see all of this where the people hired at five o'clock and the people hired at three o'clock and the people hired at noon all got the same pay. And then the people hired at nine o'clock got the same pay. It's easy for us to say, well, he said they'd get a day's wage, and so they got a day's wage. He said that they would get what they deserved and he gave it. It's his field. They did the work. He can do whatever he wants. We look at it like that. But when we're in that situation, we often don't. But but Regardless, it's easy to sympathize, even looking at it logically, it's easy to sympathize with the nine o'clock people, the people who started there, the people who were there all day in the scorching heat, the people who worked the most, maybe not the hardest, maybe not the best, but the most, the people who were there all day. It's easy to say, well, that's not fair. Like they spent all day doing this. How come it's fair that somebody who only did an hour gets the same? Or how come it's fair that somebody that only did three hours, five hours? Why is that fair? Uh, someone a long time ago said to me something, and it was probably one of my great-grandparents, but it, it may be something that like Winston Churchill said, because all that stuff goes in my head and a big thing. But we don't want life to be fair. As kids, we complain about that all the time. Uh, as adults, we complain about that all the time. Throughout life, we complain about it all the time. We say so much, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Uh, one of the things we're seeing now which is somewhat similar to this parable in a way, baseball is having a lot of trouble getting back together. Now, it's easy to look at the overall situation and say, well, the owners are billionaires, and the players are millionaires, and like a lot of people who work normal jobs have lost their jobs, so they need to just get together and go play. And when you hear the players say something, like, well, we want our full amount, because even if we're going to play 60 games, we deserve the full salary. And the owners are like... Well, no, because I want full profit. And we look at that. You guys are really screwing this up. Like, you don't get this. But they're like the 9 o'clock people. Uh, It's a little harder to sympathize with them because it's millions of dollars, and none of us make that probably. If you do, please call me. But we look at that situation, and we see the ridiculousness that we feel with the 9 o'clock people. Because even though they worked the most, even though they were there the longest, he said to them, there is work to do, and I will pay you. And he paid them. Now, it's a different story if at the end of the day, he kind of flips it and gives the people that came there last the most money, and the people that came there first the least money. Then that's truly not fair. But going back to what I said about we don't want things to be fair. If everything in the world is fair for us, that means it has to be fair for everyone else too. And if you take uh, Possessions or wealth or whatever, and you divide it out by the seven and a half billion people in the world. That's not going to be something that we like very much, especially if you're in a higher tax bracket. And so there's a lot of reasons that that we can go on and on, but I'm not going to. But with this, they didn't get paid less than they were promised. They got exactly what they were promised. So we can sympathize with them because yeah, it would be nice if you get a bonus for doing the right thing. It's nice if you get a holiday bonus. It's nice if you get a raise. All of that stuff is cool. But if you don't, that doesn't mean that life's not fair. That doesn't mean that you're not getting enough. You see, the landowner said, I will give you a day's wage for working for me. And so he does that. And yet they're mad, not because they made a day's wage. You see, this is where humanity comes in, and this is where it's so hard to be on Facebook right now. This is where it's so hard to to be around people sometimes because we don't look at things like, well, I should get more. We look at things like they should get less because if somebody else gets as much as we do, for whatever reason, that seems to diminish it for us. Like if you're in school and you've worked really hard to get an A or a B, whatever you're shooting for. And and you worked really hard, you studied, and you did everything you could, and you got like a 92%. And that's awesome, that's really good. And you're so proud of that. And then the person next to you who you know didn't study. You know that they kind of looked at their notes once and then that was it, and they get like a 92%. Same thing. You're not thinking, oh, that's cool, we both got A's. You're thinking, that's not fair. Like, why should they get the same as me? I worked harder. We do that in life. Uh, Adults, as adults, we do that. We see someone who drives around with a new car. We see someone who gets a raise. We see someone who gets a promotion. And we don't think, oh, I should work harder and get that. Or we don't think, you know, that's, that's, that's something that I hope I get someday. We think, well, that diminishes what I have. It's not fair that they're equal to me now. Or it's not fair they have more than me now. Now, what I would say is if you look at the course of your life, I would imagine that at some point, You have gotten something that maybe you didn't deserve. You have been in the place of the people who got a bonus, who got a raise, who got a promotion, who got the grade without working, who did something. Maybe you're not. Maybe you've just worked hard your whole life. And everything you've done, you feel like you've earned. Maybe. But even taking that, and here's what I'm saying. Even taking that, there's not a single Christian alive now or ever who deserves the grace of God. You see, you cannot earn your way. You cannot do enough good to overcome the sin that we've done, to overcome the inhumanity we show others, to overcome the bad that we do, that we say that we've had happen. And yet he died on a cross to give us that gift of grace that we did not earn, that we do not deserve. He loves us so much that all of us have that. And that's basically what he's saying here. He's saying, hey, If you become a Christian as a kid, and I did. I I was raised in a Christian home. My grandparents had me at church every single Sunday. And, and, you know, whether I wanted to be there or not, and they raised me there. and, And I'm still in church. I'm working in church. And that's kind of been my life. And absolutely, there have been times where I've seen somebody on the television say that they're a Christian and I've known what they've done in their life or I've seen their past and like they've said, they've recently changed. Maybe they were in prison. Maybe they were had done something else. Maybe their life was completely different. And I have that split-second thought of, yeah, right, we all have that. We all have that. That's one of the things that I try to teach all of the time is you cannot control those split-second initial thoughts. You can't. And this goes with with... Questions of fairness, it goes with stereotypes, it goes with every single bad thought that you have. You can't control that first thought, but you can control what happens after that. You can control where the thought goes from there. You can control whether that thought becomes an idea, whether it becomes your life, whether it becomes your mantra, whether it becomes how you truly feel. Uh, Wiser people than me have said, you can't stop a bird from from landing in your hair. I screwed it up. You can't stop a bird from landing in your hair. But you can stop it from nesting there. Uh, I have had birds poop on me before. I can't stop that. But I can stop it if I, like, hold a bird over my head and, like, wait, like, feed it bird food until it poops again. Like, that's stupid. We all think that's stupid. And yet we have these initial thoughts that we would all agree aren't good. And then we allow them to keep coming up. We, we look at the people who came late. We look at the people who dress differently. We look at the people who act differently. We look at the people from different places, from different uh, beliefs, from different whatever. And we're like, well, they're different than me. I'm a nine o'clocker. Like I said, I've been in church my whole life. And so that carries with it some cachet sometimes because like I know what I'm doing. It, we treat it sometimes like an exclusive club. Like, yeah, hey, look, I'll show you the ropes. Well, the ropes are believe in Jesus and try to be like him. Know Jesus and make him known. It's not sit here, it's not sing this way, it's not clap your hands, stand up. Those things are fine. How you worship is how you worship, but the most important things are knowing Jesus and making him known and accepting the gift because he didn't say, if you come to me as a child, then I'm going to bless you way more than the person who comes on his deathbed. Now, that does not mean that you want to play the gambling game and be like, I'm going to wait until uh, I'm really old to become a Christian and just do whatever the world does until then, because you never know when your life is going to be up. You never know when that bus is going to slam into your house while you're sitting on a couch. Like, you never know when, when something awful is going to happen in your life. But more than that, and this goes back to the forgiveness thing, more than that, the more you harden your heart to others, the more you think that you're different, the more you think you're above it all, the more you think that you deserve more, the smaller and smaller your heart gets. It's like the Grinch video in reverse, where like he finally sees, wow, there's good in the world. This little girl taught me something that I've never learned before, and I see joy, I see love, I see hope, and his heart grew three sizes, which medically isn't good, but in cartoon form, it's good. But if you live your life... And all you're worried about is what other people do, what other people have, how other people spend their money, how other people spend their time, how other people spend their lives, how other people do this, how other people do that, how other people worship. That's all that you're worried about. Your focus on your own life, your own worship shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. Going back to that high school example, you're sitting in class and you worked really hard to get that 92 and little Terry next to you didn't work at all, and he got a, a 93, 92, whatever. Now, you can take from that, hey, yeah, that's cool. He, did, he didn't He did do it, but I know that I can do this, and so I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to keep doing it, and, and I hope that he does well also, but I'm going to do my best. Or, you can be like, it's not fair. I give up. I'm just not going to work either. I'll show them. Who are you showing? Uh, one of the things I said, I forget if I said it in small groups or in the message or both, uh, when you have a grudge against someone, they have no idea how you really feel. But you see them and you grit your teeth. You see them and, and you just you can't sleep that night because you're so focused on how much you dislike them, how much you disagree with them, how wrong they are, how stupid they are, how, much, how spiky their hair is and how dumb that is, how ungroomed their beard is, how they have a Michael Jordan shirt on that's awesome. Like You just can't deal with any of that stuff. They don't know that you're feeling that way. All you're doing is screwing up your own life. They don't know that they are taking away your sleep. And that's why we forgive. Because if we're holding that onto ourselves, we're messing up ourselves. But it's the same with this. Like If you're so focused on what everyone else has that you feel them getting more than what they have, or them getting help, or them getting equality, or them getting whatever messes up your life, It doesn't. Now, that does not mean don't fight for what you believe. It does not mean be quiet and hold your beliefs in. That's not what it means. It means you be like Jesus every day, and that means showing an example of him. It means being like him, treating others like him, and working on your own faith, working on your own worship, working on everything you can do to be better, to help others be better, because our goal is not to be the only ones in heaven. It's to help others see that way. It's to help others see that there's a path. It's to help others see that we all are important to him, that we all are loved. That's so good. If somebody else gets something that you have or somebody else gets more than you have, that doesn't diminish what you have. It doesn't diminish what I have. And these people at nine o'clock, they're like, man, I should have gotten more. No, they shouldn't have. Because Jesus died for them. And he gave the the workers what he said he'd give them. The The manager gave the workers what he said he'd give them. That's what we are living for, to help others. And if somebody else jumps above us and somebody else gets what we have and somebody else has that, good. That doesn't affect you. It doesn't diminish you. We should be happy because we are doing our best. We are living for him. We are doing what's right. We are loving everyone. Last part of the scripture. He answered one of them back to the nine o'clock workers. Friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Shouldn't you be jealous because I am kind to? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. The reason he said that was not, if you have money and you're in first place now, then you don't matter. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, if your focus is on being the best over everything else, your focus is on being at the top of the ladder over everything else, and you let it affect how you live, you let it affect how you treat others, you let it affect your faith, your life, your heart, and you let others' successes or failures diminish or, or encourage you, you get happy when other people fail, and you get sad when other people succeed then you're going to be last in heaven. Not because you had money, not because you had status, not because you had power, but because that was your God. Because that's what you lived for, because that's who you lived for. And the people that are last, and this goes back to the Beatitudes, the people who are last, they understand what it's like to have to fight up. Those 5 o'clock workers, maybe one or two of them were lazy. Maybe they were there and they were sitting and they came in and they were like, yeah, we'll just work and we'll get a couple bucks and that's it. But we don't know that. And even so, who cares? Maybe some of them had tried every different place. They had gone to each place where people pick up workers. They had gone time and time again every day, and no one had come by. And maybe that day, they had trouble with their family, with their baby, with their car, probably not their car then, maybe with their donkey. He blew a hoof. And, and they had something going on. And they couldn't get there. And they're standing there at 5 o'clock. And they're like, we've lost it. Man, this just, I needed this. I needed to work. I needed to do this. And then the owner comes. And they're like, oh my goodness. Dude, if he just gives me a penny, it's good. If he just gives me anything, just gives me a reference for working. That is what Jesus wants. Not the time that you're a Christian. Not the amount of, of people that you talk to. But the amount of your heart. That you've given to him. And some of the nine o'clockers. They probably went from there. And they're like I'm done. Like I'm never working for this guy again. I'm never being a Christian. I'm never going to that church again. Because people do that. I have in my life. Seen people fight so much over the carpet. That it splits churches. And we think that's ridiculous. But when we're in the middle of a heated argument about something. It's not ridiculous to us. And yet Jesus says hey. Here's the deal. I didn't promise that the longer you're a Christian, the better your life will be. In fact, I'm kind of telling you the opposite. I promise that if you look to me for answers and you give your life to me and you focus on me and you do your best to show others me, then you're going to be rewarded in heaven. Not more than everybody else. Who cares? Because you're going to be in a perfect place with a perfect Lord, with a perfect life, because that is what he promised. He promised that he died for us. And if we believe in him, then we don't have to die. That's what he promised. Not that we deserve more for being here longer. Not that I deserve more for for speaking on a live stream. It's not what he said. Because let's look at Jesus, who was perfect, who was holy, who was righteous, who never sinned. And not a one of us can say that. Who was perfect. Who died on a cross. That's what he got. He didn't deserve that, but he died on a cross because we deserved that. And so we have to live our lives doing what we can to help others not get what they deserve. To help others see the way to him who gave us this gift that was free, that was not owed, that we cannot earn, but that is free that we can live joyfully and help others see it. That's what it means. And maybe you're thinking, I'm just in high school, I can't do anything. I'm just in middle school, I can't do anything. I'm just a worker, I'm just an adult, I'm just a parent. No, it doesn't matter. Because again, there are going to be people like Billy Graham, C.S. Lewis, who, who help convert millions of people, maybe billions of people. And there are going to be people who, who convert a couple over the course of their life. And sure, maybe some of those people only talk to two people. But what matters is who you're focusing on and why you're doing it. And when Billy Graham, he's in heaven now. He's not in this, this special heaven for the people that have a gold club. He's in the perfect heaven. same one that I'm going to. The same one that you hopefully will go to if you follow him. That's who we are serving. And that's who we are. We are serving Jesus. We are knowing Jesus and making him known. This parable is so powerful to me. Because it's so easy for me, for everyone, to get caught up in what others have, and what others get, and what others want. That we focus on that instead of what we can do to make life better. There's a thing that I say sometimes, and I'm going to say it. You cannot change the world. You can't. You can't. Because Jesus was perfect and holy and everything. And there were still sinners. There were. Not even all the disciples were followers of Him, technically. But... You can be the change you want to see in the world. And that change can start a revolution in showing Jesus to more and more people over and over and over again. Because that's why we are doing it. Not to win, and I love winning. But to be like him. And to help everyone see who he is. And to learn that, to receive this free gift that we have been given. That's all I got.